live out your life without stepping on someone's toes or having somebody step on your toes, right? I mean, that's just the way it seems to work in our lives. So we want to we wanna learn how to do this well. And the one thing that really bothers me a little bit about relationships is that relationships are not a science. I wish they were. I wish it was like math. You know, if I did this thing and this thing and this thing, then it would always equal that thing, you know? I mean, if I react this way to someone, if I said this or acted in a certain way, then the relationship would become a healthy, happy relationship. But it doesn't work like that, does it? In many ways, relationships are more about art than they are about science. There are principles, practices, values that we hold, that we engage in. But those principles and values that we hold don't automatically make it work out the way we want it to. So we're navigating a little bit. We're, we're learning a little bit. As I mentioned already, it's more like an art than a science. It's more complicated. It's more chaotic. It's more unpredictable, relationships are. And so we navigate them a little bit differently than we do a lot of other things. And what we need and what we're hoping to do in our series today is to really develop some godly principles, some godly postures, some godly ways of engaging people. So the one that we're going to talk about today is one that Jesus talked about a lot. When it comes to learning how to fight right, one of the things that we need to do is, is, is engage what Jesus is saying here, first of all. There's a guy by the name of William Barclay who said that there is hardly any commandment of Jesus which is more consistently broken and neglected than this one. So my goal today is to make us to feel super guilty, okay? So if you walk out of here heavy-hearted like, oh my goodness, that was tough. Well, I'm hoping that that's what happens. You're going, oh wow, this is going to be fun. Um, but I want to talk to you about this because this is an area that I know I'm feeling really guilty in and I figure I just need to share it with you, okay? So here's the commandment that Jesus gives us, right? He simply says this, do not judge. He says it over and over again. Can you read it off the screen with me already? Do not judge. Do not judge. And this is something that we tend to do. We tend to judge. We tend to evaluate other people in sometimes often maybe in a negative kind of way. And it happens when we just see somebody. You ever notice that? You just see somebody and maybe they're dressed differently than you are. Maybe they have a body art that you don't have. Maybe they're wearing jewelry. Maybe they're wearing a religious garb. Maybe they're just wearing just something different. Then you're going, whoa. And we'll tend to judge people even when we just first see them. Then when we meet them, we can also move into a little bit of judging at that particular point. And in our ongoing relationship, someone looks at us a little differently, maybe says something a little differently, or in so many ways, and we will begin to evaluate or judge them as well. It happens all the time. Let me put it this way. It's making a rushed decision, often, but not always negative. So judging can be on both extremes. About a person's worth, character, or conduct based upon superficial knowledge and personal biases hastily constructed on that person's appearance, behavior, or background. That's the complicated thing that we do instantly sometimes, right? when we see someone, that we will tend to move in that direction. Do not judge. Can you say it with me again? You ready? Do not judge. But we all do it, and we're prone to do it, and there's some reasons why we're prone to do it. Here's the first one. Judging is easier than loving. Have you noticed that? It's much more easier to judge somebody than love somebody. And in fact, I would argue that loving some, love is one of the most difficult things in life to do. Okay. It really is, and it's a challenge that Jesus brings to us. It's easier for us to judge someone. We'll tend to move in that direction. It's easier to judge someone who's hurt us, 
who's disappointed in us or has disappointed us, who disagrees with us or who's different than us. We tend to move in that direction really quickly because love is more challenging. Here's a second reason why we're prone to judge. Judging makes us feel powerful. Do you notice that sort of sense you have inside of you when you judge someone else? There's a certain power that you seem to gain because of it on the inside. You feel it, especially when it's been something that's bigger and you're judging them for what they've done or said to you. There can be this sense of power that we get, and that can tend to, to build up, and we can tend to grab hold of it more readily. Here's another reason. Judging, judging makes me look good. Have you ever noticed that? That when I put someone down, I tend to elevate myself. And often what we'll do in judging another person is we'll build up our self-esteem by pushing down how we view them. And so there's that tendency for us to do that in our lives. Are you feeling guilty yet? I'm working on it still, but here we go, right? Judging can make us look good. Here's another reason. Judging satisfies our desire for justice. When we see something happen that we don't like, something that maybe has been hurtful, there is a natural desire in us to want justice to take place. And the way that we'll sort of satisfy that in our minds is by judging that other person, sentencing them as it were. Now the world feels a little more balanced in our minds. It's an interesting thing that we do in our heads around that sort of thing. And here's one more reason why we're prone to judge. It's contagious. Have you noticed that? It just seems to happen. Like, nobody taught me to be judgmental of someone else, but I tend to do it automatically. I can do it by myself. I can do it with a group of people. There's interesting things that happen. In fact, if somebody judges somebody else, I can jump right on automatically. I catch it. There's something that happens to me. There's this thing about judging that tends to be, as I've put it here, contagious. Didn't learn it, wasn't taught it. It's just the way it is. So here's the words. Can you say it with me again? You ready? Do not judge. Do not judge. But we do. We do it often. We do it well. We do it in our minds. We do it out with our words. We do it in writing maybe sometimes. We just tend to be that way. Now here's the really confusing things. Because not only did Jesus say do not judge, but on four times he said make a right judgment. Make a right judgment. Make a right judgment. Make a right judgment. So you're going, okay, I'm confused here. I'm not supposed to judge. I'm supposed to make a right judgment. I'm not supposed to be judgmental, but at the same time, I need to evaluate, don't I? I mean, how do we put these two pieces together? Is there, therefore, a good kind of judging and a bad kind of judging? A righteous, godly kind of judging and an unrighteous kind of judging? A healthy kind of judging and a not healthy kind of judging? And the answer is yes. Isn't that good? Whew, some of the guilt's gone. It's, it's, it's kind of important for us to understand this because, I mean, all of us, are we've got to do evaluating, right? I mean, if you're going to make friends with somebody, are you not doing a little bit of judging when you're evaluating them to be your friend? Or if you're going to marry somebody, Ken, am I not supposed to evaluate that person? No, 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 you need to, okay? In fact, we'll do that when we vote for politicians. We'll do that in a number of ways, you know? And it's okay if we do it right, if we do it correctly. And that's what I want to talk about today because when we judge incorrectly, that moves us into this fight mode sometimes. It can be the prelude, the beginning steps into moving in that kind of area. So again, let's talk about this thing. And what I want to do right now is spend some time talking about when it's okay to judge. Okay? So we're going to kind of open up the doors and say, if you want to be, if you're going to judge someone, here's some things, some rules you need to put into place, some principles, some values. Remember we talked about this is more of an art and a science, 
So let's just talk about some of these things when it's okay to judge. You ready? Here we go. It's okay to judge when I am blind to the outer appearance. It's okay to judge when I'm blind to the outer appearance of someone. So for example, here's what Jesus tells us. Stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. Because our tendency is, and this is how often how we're wired, right? We'll look at someone and we'll make a quick judgment about that person by their external appearance, by what they're wearing, by what they've done with their hair or haven't done with their hair, by the clothing that they have, by the body art, by the piercing, by whatever it may be, religious stuff. We'll look at the person, we'll make an assessment around them, instantly around that. And what we really need to do, this is the blindfold principle. So don't judge a person by their outward appearance. Put the blindfold on. It's like Lady Justice, who stands outside many courts in the world, right? Who, if you notice, has a blindfold on. And the reason she has a blindfold is because we don't want to be passing judgment on someone on the basis of what they appear to be on the outside. Judging someone by their appearance is always wrong. Okay? And sometimes you and I have experienced that where we've judged someone by an outward appearance, then we've discovered who they really are. And we went, oh boy, was I off base there. I understand now what they've gone through. I understand where they've come from. And it changes the way we react to them. There's a story in the Old Testament where Samuel is going by God's command to the house of Jesse to pick a son to anoint him to be the next king. And when he gets to Jesse's home, the first son he sees is the first son that Jesse had. And typically in that culture, the first son is the one who's more valued than the rest of the children. And being a firstborn, I get it. No. So he sees Eliab, who's the firstborn. Eliab also happens to be very tall. There's an interesting study in the U.S. on the fact that most times the tallest candidate becomes the president. But that's another study. Anyway, Eliab is tall. And Samuel says these words, kind of interesting. It's, it, we read this. It says, he says, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Surely this is the right one. Look at him, he's tall. And the text tells us he's tall. And of course, that's crazy, right? You don't anoint a person to become king simply because he's tall. And yet that's the heart that Eliab, or excuse me, that Samuel has, right? And what happens is that God then says this to him a little bit later in the passage. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart of a person. The Lord looks past the externals. Aren't you glad he does? And he looks at our hearts, and that's how he looks and evaluates us. And that is so important. And this principle about not judging someone by the outside is really, really important for us to embrace. So sometimes, you know, you're driving, you're pulling up to a stoplight, and there's someone who's asking for money, and maybe you're judging that person on the basis of what you see on their cardboard sign or how they're dressed. Or maybe it's, again, as I mentioned, someone who's wearing particularly re particular religious garb, or however they may look on the outside. And what we need to do is we need to stop ourselves right there and begin to train ourselves, and this is hard, train ourselves to stop doing that kind of judging. In fact, let me suggest this. It's wrong to judge by the outer appearance whether my judgment is positive or negative. Remember that Eli Samuel's judging Eliab positively on the outward appearance, and it's wrong. Okay, so I see somebody who's got a really, really nice vehicle or lives in a really, really big home, or, and, I, and I start judging them in certain ways. That's just as bad. 
Don't judge on the outward appearance, whether positive or negative, elevating or devaluing, accurate or inaccurate. One of the things that God teaches us, and Jesus is big on this, is don't look at the outward appearance. It's really interesting that in, 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 in Greece, historically, sometimes when they had significant trials, they would hold the trial at night in the dark so you couldn't see the people who were being tried. It was an interesting pattern of behavior to move them away from judging on the external appearance only. So first thing, stop looking at the outward appearance, right? Here's the second principle. It's okay to judge when I look at myself first, okay? I look at myself first. As I'm moving and, look and, and make this judgment trips, trip triggers inside of me, I'm, I start to look at myself. Instead of looking through a magnifying glass at someone else, I look at a mirror. I put a mirror right before me, right? And we know some scripture that speaks to this whole issue. In Matthew chapter 7, let me listen to what, listen to what Jesus is saying here to us. Do not judge. And again, this is in a, in a way that's unhealthy. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. If you say something to a person like this, I'm going to judge you for that, immediately they're looking back at you. That's the way it happens. Jesus goes on. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's this two-by-four sticking out of your own eyes. You, oh, don't you love this word? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eyes. This is what he's calling on us to do. Now, <laughs> some people who study scripture and study the Hebrew culture believe that Jesus is actually using a lot of humor here that in his teaching, he actually uses humor quite a bit. In the context of the culture, it's often exaggeration that makes people laugh in that particular day. So for example, you can think of some of them. So sometimes Jesus is teaching and he says, well, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to get to heaven. And the crowd is busting up in laughter. <laughs> can you imagine that? They're viewing this and they're laughing. Or another time, Jesus will say, you know, it's like throwing pearls to pigs. And they're all, the disciples are just, oh, Jesus, you are so crazy, funny man. That's so. And then Jesus here says, imagine this person has a two by four tree trunk sticking out of their eyes. And the disciples are going, oh, Jesus, my side is sore. Please stop. No, no, no more humor. What's Jesus doing? You're not getting it. That's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm not judging you. Okay, so. So here's what happens. So Jesus, Jesus is really, it's really interesting what he's saying here. You see a speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, which is interesting that he picks on the eye. We could talk about that a little bit more. But you've got a two by four sticking out of yours, which means, A, you can't see properly. B, you can't get close to that person to help them. What's the two by four that's sticking out of their eyes? There's a little dialogue around this. You can wrestle with this on your way, on the, on the way home or around lunch today. But I think one of the things he's driving at here is a judgmental spirit. That if your spirit is one of judgmentalism towards someone else, if you're looking down on someone or evaluating them incorrectly, you can't help them. And while you're pointing your finger that way, you've got three pointing back at you. What's going on in your heart? A judgmental spirit will never be able to help anyone. 
And that's what needs to be cared for, first of all. Get this thing out of your eye. Then you can come along, and in tenderness, you can now get close to the person, because right now this two-by-four is in the way, and you can help them. That's what he's saying. Watch your heart. How are you approaching it? Do you understand what they've been through? Do you recognize the difficulties they're experiencing? That's what he's saying to us, I believe, at this particular point, right? In other words, be humble. You're broken too. You've got stuff in your eye. Why are you coming down on this person? Instead of coming down on them, why don't you come alongside and do the help that you can by remembering that you're a person who needs help too. It's okay to judge when I look at myself first. Here's another thing. It's okay to judge when I have all the facts, when I have all the facts. The truth is that during Jesus' day, the religious leaders hated Jesus. They didn't really get to know him. They just didn't like what was happening. The crowds were following him. His teaching kind of rubbed them the wrong way, and they stayed away from him, except for some. And we know for sure that Nicodemus was one of those Pharisees, those religious leaders who got along close with Jesus. If you've watched the series called The Chosen, for example, you will see how the uh, writers interpreted Nicodemus' relationship with Jesus. In John chapter 7, there's an interesting time when the Pharisees are gathered together and they want to take Jesus out. They want to, they want to kill him. And what's interesting is that Nicodemus speaks up in the middle of that conversation, and here's what he says about Jesus. Does not our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he's been doing? In other words, Nicodemus says, don't you think we should get the facts together? Don't you think we should figure out what's really going on? Before we pass judgment, shouldn't we listen before we speak? Shouldn't we hear before we tell? Shouldn't we, we, we observe before we, we, we condemn? He's saying, don't you think we should be listening to Jesus? And it's interesting the response in that passage that the Pharisees now have towards Nicodemus because he's trying to stop them. And he's trying to say to them, you're not judging correctly. You need to get the facts together first. Do you have all the information? Are you a listening person? Is that the way you are? Are you coming along to someone and say, hey, let, let, help me understand this. I want to be a listener. And that's why we have two ears and one mouth, right? Uh, when I was in my late teens, I loved working on my car. And so I would do stuff with my car, and I would use my dad's tools. That's what dad's tools are there for, to be used by sons and daughters, right? And so one day, my dad comes storming into the house and says, I can't find my, and I don't remember what the tool was. Let's say it was a vice grips. I can't find my vice grips. Where are my vice grips? Ken, what have you done with my vice grips? And I said, Dad, I didn't use your vice grips. Yes, you did. Where'd you put them? He was like, one of, you know those moods that sometimes dads can get in? Anyway, he was in one of those moods, and he was like really upset with me. And he went on and on. I said, I never used your vice grips. And day after day, you know, where's my vice grips? You need to go find my vice grips. I'd look for the vice grips. I couldn't find the vice grips. So one day, we're sitting around having supper, and we ate the main meal. My dad says, what's for dessert? And my mom says, humble pie. And she walks over and gives my dad a plate, and on the plate are the vice grips. And she says, she, he's, he's looking at her going, what, what are these all about? And she goes, well, I found them where you left them. And she told him where he left them. And I felt so good at that particular point, you know. Thanks, Mom. Another point for Mom. Um, but th 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 get the facts right, right? I mean, we'll judge people sometimes if we don't listen, we don't get the facts right, and we make that assessment on that basis. That's not healthy, right, balanced, godly judging. So learn to listen. Here's another one. 
It's okay to judge when the issues are important. And this is an interesting thing, and again, we could unpack this a lot more, but it's really important that we let some things go, that we don't care what a person's hair color is, that we don't care about certain things that they do or don't do. And, and the, Paul's really clear on this. In fact, Romans chapter 14, he spends a whole chapter on it. But in Colossians, he writes this to the church, Colossae. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. New moon celebration. Oh, let's have another holiday. Anyway, what you've got here are diet, drink, and days. And what Paul is saying to them, don't judge anybody on those things. Those are total freedom areas. If a person wants to do that, let them do that. You don't have any right to set a standard on someone about that. And you remember that he's talking to a culture where there were some Jewish people who would have had a lot of these festivals that they would celebrate. And he's saying, you need to let people do what they want to do. We're not under the law anymore. And he's talking about their diet, if they're vegetarian, let them be a vegetarian. What are you, what are you judging them for? You know, he's, he's talking about all these kinds of things. And I think it's really important for us to understand that sometimes we got to just say, off limits, I'm not going to judge there. That's not an issue for me. That's not something that God would be honored that I step into. So lifestyle issues are often off limits. And as I mentioned already, in Romans, Paul spends a lot of time in chapter 14 really expanding this whole area. Because often we'll judge someone in an area that's a liberty area. They can do what they want in that area. And we have no right to be evaluating that. So set the boundaries appropriately. Here's another one. It's okay to judge when the issues are important. When the issues are important. That's really what I'm saying there. And this is where you've got St. Augustine, and he makes this statement. He says, um, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, what? Charity. So love in all things. I love this little statement. And then there's the essential things. Eh, we want to be together on those, but there's the non-essentials. And we could get into a dialogue, well, what's essential, what's non-essential? Well, that changes with time and culture, but it's important for us to understand that. It's okay to judge when the issues are important. It's okay to judge when I do it in love. When I do it in love. And here's what Paul writes. He says these words to us. Excuse me. Um, here's what he says in James, I'm sorry. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. Who are you to judge your neighbors? And the word slander is this idea of putting down. It's using words to defame or dishonor or to reshape a person. And sometimes I know I've been very guilty of this where I'll reshape how another person sees a person because of the things I say about them. And I need to be really, really careful about this. This is, this is the one that makes me feel the most guilty. And when you think about love, you, you recognize that when God talks about love, he, he, he describes love in ways that are different from that. For example, just a little bit of it from 1 Corinthians. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Look at this. It does not dishonor someone. It's very careful with what it says about a person. It's very careful how it sees a person. Is that the loving thing to say? No, it's probably a judgmental way to speak. It's a slanderous thing that I'm doing. And so the Bible would call on us to speak differently. Judge without dishonoring. Love will allow you to do that. And it's really important that love becomes a, 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 a critical thing here. Um, 
I don't know what's happened here. Here we go. It's okay to judge when I do not judge motives. Here's this next one. It's okay to judge when I do not judge motives. Ready for this one? Okay. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. So the Apostle Paul is talking to the Corinthians, and they've been attacking him. And it seems that one of the things we think they're doing is they're saying, the reason that you do what you do, the reason that you serve the way you serve is because of, and they've got all these ideas like, you just want money, or you just want fame. And so Paul is writing back to them again in the book of 1 Corinthians and correcting this idea that they're challenging his motives. He's basically saying, don't judge motives. Hands off. He says, I care very little. If I'm judged by you, wouldn't you love to be that kind of person? I don't care if you judge me. If I'm judged by you or by any human court, indeed, I do not even judge myself. Well, what do you mean by that, Paul? Well, look what he says. My conscience is clear, but this does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. So here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, I, I believe that my conscience is clear as to why I do what I do. I believe it's clear. But maybe there's a motive that's hidden beneath the surface that I don't completely understand. If that's the case, I'm leaving that up to God. In other words, I'm not going to keep drilling down below the surface to try and figure out all the motives that are going down because it can get very matrixy down there. You know what I'm saying? It can get confusing when you try to figure out your own motives. Look at this. Therefore, he says, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. Known sin is to be confessed and faced. Shortcomings are to be prayed about and worked on. But Paul's really saying, that there is, as I look at my own life, I believe that the reason I'm serving God is because I want to glorify him and praise him and do what is right. There may be some motives underneath the surface that are happening that I don't completely understand. But if I spend my time drilling down and try to figure out my own motives for everything that I do, it will drive me crazy. So Paul is saying, I have struggles figuring out all of my own motives sometimes. How... Are you able to judge my motives when I don't always know what they are? In other words, you can't do it. You, it is impossible to know a person's motives. Jesus knew motives, and he could walk on water, and you and I can't do either, right? So what we need to be careful of, and we'll do this all the time, we'll say something like this. I, I, I know this because I say it. I know why they did that. You know what? I don't know why they did that. I can't know why they did that. Sometimes I don't know why I did that. You ever had that problem? Why did I say that? Why did I do that? Well, if I can't figure me out all the time, how can I ever figure someone else out? And a lot of times what we'll do is we'll judge a person on the basis of, I know why you did that. I know why you said that. No, you don't. You don't. It's not possible. So what we have to do is be really, really careful about that. And what would I want to do at that point? I'd want to listen, okay? I want to exhibit love toward that person so that in the bottom line is that we can then begin to move into a direction where my judgmentalism disappears. And I want to make sure that I have that in the right place. So on the one hand, we're told, do not judge. On the other hand, we're told to judge. 
And obviously there is a bad way of judging and a healthy way of judging, and we want to be healthy judgers, right? We want to evaluate in a way that honors God. And to do that, we don't want to judge by the outward appearance. We're going to be very, very careful that we're not looking at the outward appearance. And this week, as we train ourselves to be better at this, we are going to practice this, right? We are going to be careful to watch the triggers that might go on in our minds and say, Spirit of God, I want you to help me. I don't want to be judging by the outward appearance. Secondly, we're going to start with ourself first. This really slows it down. What about me? And coming to God in prayer and, and confessing in the mornings as our day begins, Lord, help me to live in a way that would honor you can be very, very helpful for this. Start with yourself first. Get all the facts, so make sure that we're listening before we pass judgment. Make sure the issues are important. Are those issues are issues that would be honoring to God? Are they issues that I need to just let go? Are they liberty issues? Everybody has the right to do that. Judge in love. Do I love this person? What would 1 Corinthians 13 call on me to do as I'm speaking with this person, listening to this person, evaluating this person? I said earlier that love is the hardest lesson in life to learn, and I believe that with all of my heart. But it's also the most important. And if you notice that important things are often hard, but God calls on us to do that. And then be careful about motives. There are two overarching principles that I would want to leave with you this morning around this whole area of judging, the art of judging. The first one is this. I want to judge someone else in the same way that I would want to be judged. I would want someone not to look at the outward appearance. I would want someone to love me. I would want someone to listen to me. I would want someone to stay away from my motives. And that's the same way I want to judge someone else. So how would you want someone else to evaluate you or see you? The first thing is to ask myself, what would it be that I would want? So I'm going to ask myself that question first. The second overarching principle is this. We need to look at people the way that Jesus did. Jesus looked at people in incredible ways. When he locked eyes with someone, no matter who they were and what they did, he loved them. He saw them as being made in the image of God, irreducibly invaluable. Do you know that that's who you and I are? That we're made in God's image, and that is the highest ultimate experience, ultimate posture, position that we can have. And because we're made in God's image, because we're made in his image, this is a beautiful, wonderful thing for us to remember. I'm made in God's image. And that person that I see, that person that I know, that person that maybe it's a little bit of conflict with, they're made in God's image too. They're irreducibly invaluable. Our problem is that we tend to make people in our image. This is what I would like you to be. This is how I would like you to talk. This is how I would like you to act. And so we'll look at people and evaluate them and say, now, how are they doing in the image that I want them to be in? And I can tell you what our image is. It ain't always good right? And what we need to do is get away from putting people, posturing them in our own image and remember who they are in the image of God. What if followers of Jesus were like that? That we looked at everyone, no matter who they were and how they lived, what they appeared to be, and we said, this person is made in God's image. They are incredible. Yeah, they're broken like I'm broken. They mess up like I mess up. 
but wow, how important and how valuable they are. If we saw people like that, imagine what that would do to the hearts of others. And there is a propensity on our part, isn't there, to really look down on people and not to see them in that same way, to look at them in our own image instead of in God's. So here's the challenge this week for me and for you. You, you may be in a ring with someone right now and you've wrapped up your hands and you've got the gloves on and the bell's just rung and there's a fight going on. And maybe you've been in one, maybe you're in, in the ring with someone right now. I want you to stop the judging. Can, you, can we work on that right now? And let's just deal with that particular piece. How you see them, how do you see them? How do you evaluate them? How are you going to measure them? That's really important that we start there, right? Will you bow your heads with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for today. I thank you for the challenge that Jesus has given to us, that Paul has, that the word of God has given to us around this whole area. And I know all of us stumble here. I certainly do. And I pray for us, Lord, there may be some of us who, whose pride is stopping us from mending a broken relationship. Maybe there's anger that's in the mix that's caused us to step outside the boundaries of what we should do in terms of judging people. And we've, we've slipped behind the bench, we've put the wig on and the gown, we've picked up the gavel, and we've decided we're going to sentence this person in our lives because of who they are and what they've done. And I know there needs to be care here. We, we obviously need to have wisdom in our relationships, but I pray, Lord, where we've stepped outside the boundaries, that you would help us to love like Jesus loved, to see people like Jesus saw people, to be honoring in every way. Help us, Lord. Help us help each other. For your glory, I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I thought I was going to speak extra long today, um, so we don't have a closing song. But I do want you to remember I'm banking some minutes, okay, just so you know <laughs> in the future. <laughs> and I call Einer to come up right now and close us. Just have an announcement be before we wrap up this morning.